Listen, buddy, if you're looking for the Diet Frozen Yogurt Bar, it went out of business last summer. Actually, I'm looking for a Batman number 14. It's time again for the Coffee and Comics Podcast. I am your host, the caffeinated Clinton Robison, and this is the podcast where I review comics more or less in the span of time it takes to have a brief coffee break. I'm going to tell you right now, this time it's probably not going to fit all in one coffee break, because this is a big book, folks. But then again, I halfway lied earlier when I said it's time for the show because it's time whenever you listen to it because this is a podcast. Anyway, this time around I am diving deep into indie territory and there's a new book out there. And I am by new, I mean August 2021, so like now. Now now. Not then now or later now. Now. But uh, enough of that. You're here for a comic, not for poor attempts at bad jokes. The Tessellation number one from Martian Lit has, as I said, an August 2021 publication date. The story is titled A Nicer Cage. Writer is Mike Phillips. Art by Hernan Gonzalez. Colors by Javi Lapara. Letters by Julian Darius, excuse my uh, little hang-up there, and Stephen Ledge, or is that Leger? Sorry, folks, you know how good I am with these names. Anyway, let's dive in. But no, 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 let's not dive in. Let's not. Fair warning before I dive into this. This is a very mature readers only kind of book. Ergo, my synopsis isn't going to be able to avoid some mature subjects. There's going to be discussions of some heavy stuff, folks. Or at least some mentions, maybe not deep discussions, but at least mentions of heavy stuff. So this is your trigger warning moment. Uh, Seriously, if you have something that might affect you... This is probably where you need to stop listening, or at the very least, skip ahead until the first promo break when I get into the actual, you know, discussion of the book. It won't hurt my feelings, folks, I promise. But seriously, a few things in here that, that might, um, yeah, have, have some anxiety going. Okay. Everybody who decided to stick around, didn't skip, didn't go away, here we go. August 5th, 2017, James Beach is in a jail cell, and he told, <clears throat> excuse me, and he has been told 
that he has a meeting with his lawyer. An already confused James is led to a room where it appears his lawyer is his own twin brother, a twin that James doesn't actually have. James becomes visibly shaken and freaks out over what he has done, which is explained later. The lawyer explains to James that he is actually James from another earth. He has no way to get James out of this mess other than a way to painlessly uh, kill himself. So let's rewind back to June 3rd in Colorado, where we see James being a craptastic husband and father, choosing to get drunk and or high, and watch sports over spending time with his wife and son. However, his wife does manage to convince him to ride along to Home Depot to help with the heavier items. Especially, you know, since his wife is driving, because James is high. <coughs> Elsewhere else when, June 1st in Los Angeles, we see a different James talking with a travel agent of sorts, who explains all the different types of trips that he can take to different Earths. This James decides his first trip will be to have an extramarital sexual li liaison on a different Earth. Okay, simple synopsis so far, right? Well, things are about to get a little harder to keep up if we went page by page, so just, just stick with me, folks. It's, um, <clears throat> yeah, just, just trust me. On the way back from Home Depot, James is driving as his pot brownie has worn off. As they drive along, a truck attempts to pass James in the right lane. James has three potential options here. He can let the truck pass and get ahead of him. He can attempt to speed up with the truck, eventually getting ahead anyway. Or he can attempt to speed up and the truck doesn't get to merge before the upcoming construction zone. Come on, folks, all of you who have had driver's ed, you should know the answer to this. Which one should James choose? Well, we'll see which ones James chooses, right? Because we are given the results of all three. Here's where my synopsis is going to diverge a bit, because uh, all four stories, yes, including the other Earth James, are happening on the same page, so let's go one at a time and we'll circle back in a bit. In the reality where the truck passes them safely, we see James and family return home. James sticks to his terrible routine of being a terrible husband and a terrible father over the next several terrible weeks, eventually leading to Corrine, you know, that's his wife, asking for a divorce. Terrible James, as I'm going to call him, moves out and gives the typical promise to his son that it's only temporary and he'll be back to play every weekend. But that bond was broken years ago. Screw you, Terrible James. Track 2, where James tries to speed but the truck gets ahead, leads to slamming on the brakes right outside the construction zone. James rear-ends the truck and the airbags deploy, but they slam Corrine's head into the roof of the car. Corrine goes into a coma, leading James and his son into a state of depression. 
It takes nearly two months, but she does indeed come out of her coma. Only now she can only speak French. A doctor comes to extract some fluids, but otherwise Corrine returns to life with James. They become a wonderful, loving couple and raise their son like they should. For about six months before James starts sliding back into his old habits. Welcome to Neo-Terrible James, I guess. But, you know, by November 2018, they're well on their way to a divorce, just like old Terrible James. And now, we come to James driving too recklessly. This James rear-ends a car and proceeds to get hit from behind as well. This is your last moment, folks. He gets hit from behind as well, sending Corrine flying through the windshield. James is left with multiple broken bones, but neither his wife nor son survived the accident. James goes into a full-on depression-fueled alcoholic bender lasting nearly two months until driving drunk leads him to running over a man in a crosswalk, killing him instantly. This is the James that we see that has landed himself in jail. Alternate James, meanwhile, develops a taste for all this world-hopping. His first foray was just an orgy. He eventually moves up the ladder of sadistic behavior, all in ways that can ruin the lives of alternate versions of himself. He is accompanied by a man each time who acts his way back and forth an employee of the company that allows these trips. This James eventually decides to take their voyeur package, which allows him to spy on an alternate James. Uh, none of which led super interesting lives, apparently. But, you know, this leads him to see our track three James, um, reckless James, I guess we'll call him, getting arrested. Which leads to where we came into things. Quick side note. There is fluid taken from French-speaking Corrine, which was given to a wheelchair-bound man associated with the aforementioned company. Uh, more on that in future issues, though, I'm sure, because it does not come up anymore in this. Anyway, alternate James and uh, reckless James meet up, as described earlier. The method of suicide is from a little black pill given to alternate James as part of a spy package he booked earlier in the issue. Good lord, where did alternate James get all his money, I'm wondering. Alternate James tells his handler that they need to rush back to their reality pronto before going off on the man about how sadistic their company is and finally starting to figure out the horrible things they are doing. Upon return to the, the company's location on this earth, the handler preps James for a return trip, implying that uh, he has to stay to handle a few business things. However, he sends James to a completely different earth altogether, one with a destroyed and decaying city listed as Nagasaki, China, August 6, 2017. Whew, okay. That calls for a break. I'll be right back.
world on fire. An All-Star Squadron podcast. Join your hosts, Billy D. And Herman, as we take a deep dive into the seminal DC comic series created by Roy Thomas and Rich Buckler. We'll be covering the series issue by issue, spotlighting our favorite characters. And talking about the historical tie-ins as well. So join us every month in A World on Fire, and All-Star Squadron podcast. Coming in December 2020 to a podcatcher near you. Welcome back! Okay, so, before I delve into my thoughts right off, I want to say that if you read this issue, be sure to pay attention to all the dates, because time flows differently on each story track, and pay extra attention to the hex patterns, because those show all the reality breaks. So... What did I think of this story? Holy cow, this was a lot to pack into a single issue, folks. But with nearly 30 pages of story and upwards of 8 panels per page, there's plenty of room to tell it. Phillips tells a really interesting and intriguing story. Starting out in medias res helps hook the reader into things. I really enjoyed the idea of telling four different stories. And according to the text piece at the end, this will be the M.O. of the book, just focusing on different characters. I am all for this idea. The art and colors for this book are good. There isn't anything about the styling that, you know, will just stand out as recognizable as, say, like George Perez or Jim Lee or something. But don't take that as a negative. Remember... Yo, these guys, yo, they were doing this stuff for years and years before we all came into comics and said, holy cow, look at a George Perez Teen Titans or a Jim Lee X-Men, you know. Gonzalez keeps the characters drawn on model every time, which is probably harder than it sounds when you have to keep drawing the same handful of characters every page, folks. Drawing is one thing. Drawing consistently is another step entirely. And this is where Gonzalez lifts this book up. Overall, the art is enjoyable, if um, a, a bit graphic at times. I mean, you do see um, Reckless James's broken bones. You see, um, you see Kareem going through that. Yeah, um, you see alternate James's uh, escapade aftermath. So, but I mean, it, it's all story appropriate. It's just a bit graphic. The colors from Lapara pop where excitement is needed, 
and are muted when things are needing to be a bit more along the depressive lines. So, you know, factor that in with all the graphicness. So, it's, it's going to be graphic, but it's going to be well-drawn graphic and well-colored. So, you know, there are a few negatives I, I do want to address. When I said this is a mature book, I meant it. There are F-bombs left and right. The car wreck scene is graphic. As I mentioned, there are broken bones, dead bodies, etc. Trust me, if these things are triggering, stay far away. There is also a moment or two of nudity. So, like I said, you know, the escapades and such. So, again, you know, this, this is a no-kids label book. It has to be. But I'm not saying that a mature reader's comic is a bad thing. Good Lord, you know, this is... You're talking to a guy, or you're listening to a guy anyway, who really loves Hellblazer. So, I mean, mature readers is not a bad thing. I love Doom Patrol. I'm just making sure readers know what they're getting into. This would definitely be an HBO Max TV series. You know, you're not going to see it on CBS, folks. At least not in its full detail. On my initial read, I didn't notice the hex pattern between the pages or between the panels until you know a page or two after they really started, and that was on me, folks. Nothing against the comic there, but I was slightly confused seeing the same scene three times on one page. But I caught on, went back, got got where I needed to be. No biggie there. So. Do I think people should check out Tessellation number one? Well, factoring in all these, um, actors? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. If you can handle all the stuff contained within, I'd say yes. The story is interesting, well-constructed, and keeps moving at a pace that will keep readers curious about what happens next. The art conveys the story perfectly well, and it keeps pace with the story, just like it should. Trust me, there are books out there right now that won't give you this much story and art in the same amount of pages for the same price. If you're looking for a compelling sci-fi story with an underlying mystery, interesting characters, and art that conveys that story, The Tessellation is what you need to be reading. With that, I'll take another break and come back with some listener feedback. Hey, listen to Longbox Crusade. Welcome back from that break. I appreciate you sticking around for the listener feedback section. 
This is the part where I get to give all kinds of shout-outs to everybody who liked, shared, retweeted, all that fun stuff the previous episode. Because, quite frankly, this show wouldn't be around if it weren't for listeners, and I appreciate every single one of you. So, and, uh, you know, be ready for a long list here, folks, because last episode was an interview with Ron Randall on his highly successful Trekker Kickstarter. We're talking, he made all kinds of stretch goals on this one, folks, like beyond what I would have dreamed. So congratulations to everybody who's reaping the rewards on that one. And congratulations to Ron as well. So last episode, as I said, got likes, shares, retweets, all that fun stuff from Gregory Litchfield, the Hammer Strikes, the Longbox Crusade Network, Ron Randall himself, Endless Moons Comics, Michael Hall, Helioscope Studios, Anina Bennett, Lynn Jr. at Encore1514LR, El Sofa de Reactor, Fritz Frankenstein, one of my Svengooly and Tune In With Me pals. Charlton Hero, Bobby D, Professor Frenzy, It's a Show. Billy Delicious of Into the Weird and Magazines and Monsters. Warlord Worlds, Max Reads Comics, Secret Wars, and Beyond. Coleman Miller, Christopher Hamby, another Svengooly and Tune In With Me pal. Kareem Noir, Jackson Zelda, DSNRS, which is Darren and Ruth Sutherland, Ed Moore, Laurel at Mountainflower One, Comics in the Golden Age, Weird Warriors Podcast, and Iowa's Joe. Also, I've uh, heard from Pat Sampson, Gene Hendricks, Ruth and Darren Sutherland again, Ron Randall again. John Nasinovich, Mark Kessler, Steve Matson, James Lee, Jonathan Schaefer-Hames, The Rad Adventures Network, Trekker Talk, Jerry Green, and Ron Randall's wife, Lynn Randall. If I missed anybody, I'm sorry. Do please let me know, and I'll correct it in a future episode. Over on Twitter, I heard from Gregory Litchfield, who said, Thanks for the shout-out, Clinton. It's nice to be included with such a fine group of Sven pals and tuners. I look forward to listening to your latest interview with Ron Randall. Well, I appreciate you listening, Greg. And I also appreciate you every morning for uh, tuning in with me and every Saturday for Senguli. Professor Frenzy said, This is going to be classic. Oh, Professor Frenzy, if anybody knows classics, it's you. Trekker Talk said, It's uh, always love your questions, Clinton. So unique and fun. Well, I appreciate that. They even left a little fox emoji for Scuff the Domesticated Fox. The Hammer Strike says, Now I want an all-ages book, The Adventures of Scuff. Hey, he has to do something while Mercy and Molly are out. That's true, Gene, that's true. And if 
uh, if anybody's interested uh, in expanding a little further, good old Gene, uh, you know, from the Hammer Strikes, he's also involved with the Akadeka Ganagon Theater. They do a, a bit of a radio drama about Trekker. Uh, Jackson Zelda says, great podcast. I love the Ron Randall interviews. Well, don't go too far because, uh, you know, Ron may be back early next year if, uh, if everything works out. Got an email from Jason Zeller. Hi, Clinton. I hope this message finds you well. I really enjoyed the Chuck Norris Karate Commandos episode, a fun romp through the 80s. Somehow I missed this series entirely, and though I love Chuck Norris movies, I did not remember watching the cartoon. Jason's real good at catching up on episodes about three or four at a time, folks, so don't worry. He's also uh, continues with, Conjury sounds like a very interesting story. I like how this seems to not follow a particular superhero story trope and yet still has some magical type elements in it. I do like noir comics as well and hopefully this story will continue and gain a larger audience. Well, Jason, from what I hear, uh, Condry is definitely going to continue on. And he also finishes up with the Ron Randall interviews are always great. He has very interesting stories to tell and has developed a great world in the Trekker series. I am glad it is still going all these years later, and I hope to get to see the story to a full conclusion. Take care and keep up the great work. You and me both, Jason, because by golly, I want to see where this story goes and how it ends. I don't want it to end, but I want to see how it ends. If that makes any sense at all. And over on the website, we got a comment from Spiler, I believe is how you say that. He, she, they says, uh, great conversation. Been a part of the Trekker community since the beginning. Got to know Ron over the past few years. Super great, super guy doing super work. That sums it up right there, folks. I mean, that's Ron Randall in a nutshell. Super guy doing super work. He is really nice, really personable, and he he really seems to love talking to his fans. Man, Spiler, you've been around since the beginning. You're like Ruth and Darren Sutherland. You've you know, you've just always been. <laughs> All right, folks, that pretty much wraps up this episode. I do encourage everybody to go out and check out the Tessellation. Uh, it, I mean, it, they're already planning issue two. Got got the script going. Got the artwork getting ready to get started. I do believe. Uh, it sounds like it's going to be a good time. Uh, I do appreciate everybody who wrote in. Uh, all the shares, retweets, all that fun stuff. Uh, if you do want to get in contact with me, you can find me on Twitter at Coffee Comics BLG. Uh, you can. Email the show directly at coffeeandcomicspodcast at gmail.com. Or you can leave a comment over on the website, something I hadn't seen in a while. Thank you, Spiler. Uh, which is coffeeandcomicspodcast.blogspot.com. 
And hey, don't forget those uh, Apple Podcast reviews if you haven't left one yet, because it helps get the show noticed from what I'm told. Plus, they're just fun to read. So, that pretty much wraps this up. I ran a little long, but I hope you think it was worth it. I know I do. So, until next time, this is the place where the comics are never too old and the coffee is never too cold. This has been a Coffee and Comics production. All material referenced herein is copyright the respective owners and is believed covered under fair use. Feedback can be left by emailing coffeeandcomicspodcast at gmail.com, visiting the website at coffeeandcomicspodcast.blogspot.com, or on Twitter at coffeecomicsblg. Thank you.